0: Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online.
1: You're listening to Queering the Air. Queering the Air is presented on the traditional lands of the Kulin Nation. I wish to acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land that we continue to live, work, love and learn from. I would like to pay my respects to the elders past and present and extend this respect to any other Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who are listening in. Sovereignty has never ceded. You're listening to Queering the UN3CR radio station. Um, you just listened to Lonely Woman by Onet Coleman and C2Wa Ma'me Ma- Ma- by Sidney Bechet. But I think I totally butchered, butchered that name. Um, so today presenting and producing the program is Devana. I'm joined today by Iris. Hi, Iris
0: hi there Hi how are everyone.
1: You, how are you going
0: um um okay sunday in the studio it's good times
1: thanks for coming did you see the royal wedding yesterday
0: <laughs> no i have paid no attention
1: oh no it was really good <laughs> apparently they got organic elderflower cordial into the um cake and 20 kgs of organic butter i'm sorry that's a weird fact Something that I just this just stuck to my head. Um, so today we have a special guest, uh, Lucky or Lockie? Locky. Locky. Hi, Locky. How are you? How are you going? Very well, thank you. That's good. So Locky is a freelance graphic design and art director. He focuses on print, branding, and UX design. In 2017, he was shortlisted for the Cornish Family Prize for Art and D- Design Publishing and the Australian Photo Book of the Year. Lockie has undertaken projects for the Sydney Opera House, Caldo Arts, and owns Etc. Press, which apparently is hibernating.
0: Hibernating.
1: Hi- yeah. In hibernation, <laughs> but still functional. Um, I want to really talk about your interest in functionality in your design. So you saw, you, cre- you credit textbooks, manuals, tables, and lists as something that inspires you and can you talk a bit about what exactly it is about those what I see as mundane objects that, <laughs> that attract you
0: I think I just like the um I don't know there's something always super nice about seeing a nice like clean kind of organized table or <laughs> there's something kind of like you look at a phone book, like I yeah. guess, like a poetic nature to like just the ongoing lists and lists and lists and lists like of Like the yellow pages? Yeah, the yellow pages. Yeah, I think there. I think there's something really nice in um, someone having to think about how they're going to convey and present information to somebody else. And someone generally with those things, the more complicated it is, the more time and effort have gone into it. And for it to look mundane, it's it's that's. Something that's really intentional and someone's really thought about.
1: But the thing with these kind of designs, and I'm not—I don't have a design background, <laughs> so I'm speaking very generally. They don't really attract your eye. It almost feels like when I look at the yellow pages, for example, it's like I—I I, I set myself up for something that's very tedious and that's very um, harrowing. That's very—it um, it feels like a bureaucratic task. It Doesn't <laughs> feel like oh, I'm looking at pop art or something like that so with with those contexts for those objects how do you incorporate that into your design
0: I think um I mean it's it's obviously difficult speaking about your design of the radio because no one has context unless they've seen it but um I think the way that I kind of organize my work it's quite um it's quite system and I guess it's... it's
1: Systematic? Yeah, it's
0: quite systematic, and especially with laying out typography. Yeah. It, um, w- when you lay out type, you're assigning every piece of type a, mm-hmm. uh, a certain rule and a certain um, instance so that when you lay it out, it actually becomes quite automatic and quite has rhythm to it yeah. so when you have like a header or like a subtitle or someone's name or a date all those things have rules based around them and you're essentially you set out those rules and then it's a matter of like clicking on them and or kind of falling into place
1: ah so i kind of get what you mean now mm. by the things being in order being very clean very yes. clean cut yes that's interesting
0: so i guess when, before i designed something my kind of plan is to get all the rules out of the way and then the actual design part should just kind of happen
1: just like spontaneously flow through yes um what's uh what what's some of the things on your mood board if you have mood boards or what are some images that are flowing through your mind at the moment that's like inspirational for you i
0: generally try not to look at other graphic design when i'm doing research Hmm. just because you're often there's so much design so much awesome design um, Mm. especially with the internet so easy to find things and access things and like if you're looking to design a menu for example you type in menu and you get 500 (laughs) million menus come up and probably what you were thinking you wanted to do will have already been done yeah so there's not much benefit for me anyway into finding something that exactly what I want to do so I think when I do research I try to find stuff that's outside of exactly graphic design so i try to look at art or music or sculpture or architecture Mm. or photography to draw inspiration and I i find that kind of um opens me up a bit more
1: that's really interesting. I used to work in an advertising company and we had a, you know, I was I used to do copywriting, but I used mm. to work with a graphic designer. And what they would do is they would look at all the things that the current designers were doing and kind of like mesh those <laughs> stars together. Because they, in their perspective, it was like the eye has been trained to see what is current. So they really want to tap into what was current and kind of capitalize on that on those trends, you know, that was their mindset.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I'm sure I, I, everyone does that and I do yeah. do that. I mean, I definitely do look at other graphic design. You, mm. you, it's part of the job, but I try not to, you know, do that to the point where you're just merging and cutting, copying other people's graphic design. Yeah. I mean, if you do that, then yeah, it's good to mix into other things that aren't graphic design, things that are a bit yeah. more unusual or mm. things that were a little bit more left to feel because it just gives you, um, not, not new ideas, but it gives you an idea that may not have been explored yet. Yep. Because I mean yeah, new ideas and design as well. <laughs>
1: so I, I really want to talk about your creative process. Mm. Um, you, you touched upon that um, before uh, with, with the rules being set and then it flowing through. But because you don't look at other designers and you don't agree with that process of mm. cutting and chopping and merging which mm. creates something um, familiar. What are the exact steps in your creative process? Do you like do some sketching or is it like is, are you like um Don Draper from Mad Men where you're like aha <laughs> <laughs> like you're drinking and then you're like aha
0: it's it's mostly just a time thing i something that i've noticed how i work is that i'm not very i i can i work quickly but the ideas sometimes take a bit of time to come to me mm. so the first thing that i would normally do is uh you know tr- start pulling apart the idea, with just some words and some ideas, the things that I find interesting um, If with that client or with that uh, topic. And I just let it kind of sit for a while because yeah. I find even though I'm not like actively sitting in front of my desk working um, in my brain, it's percolating and it's kind of breaking down. And those kind of aha moments kind of come in kind of go. shots and kind of come and go, you know, you'd be lying in bed or I know it sounds a bit of like a trope, it's like comes in the shower, but yeah. like it's just... You know, when you it comes, can't predict. Comes.
1: <laughs> you can't make it like appear when you want it to. There's, you totally, never can just like yeah. sit down and be like, okay, ideas appear. Ideas, ideas,
0: ideas. Yeah, just, like, <laughs> it, I you know.
1: I'm trying to do that, and my mind goes blank. And it's when I'm like falling apart on a slippery tram that something appears. Exactly. It's very strange.
0: Exactly, and I think it's about also kind of forgiving yourself that if you don't have a creative day and you don't produce much that's fine because some days you are really creative and mm. some days you aren't just got to kind of you know manage that and go with the flow a little
1: i agree and it's like it's not like everyone has this like unlimited creative will or whatever it doesn't work <laughs> like that it's 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 it you can't just pluck ideas out of the blue and be like uh, uh, look i have something that's pretty special you kind of have to kind of wait for it sometimes as mm. well i mm. feel um and really, like, look after yourself and nurture yourself before it decides to appear.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's very I mean, strange. It is strange. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so something I'd also like to touch upon is you research a subject before you design mm-hmm. a, something for a project. Totally. So I know that a lot of people, when they say research, they research contemporary designs, like the uh, graphic design I, d- I described to you. But they don't really research the subject per se. They don't look into the history or the culture um, or anything other people have said about it. Mm. Um, what is what does the research aspect of you mean? What does it mean for you, and how do you do it?
0: I mean, I try to go. I think, I think uh, as designers, we're really lucky that part of our job is that we can, if we want to, go really deep into topics mm. that we don't necessarily need to know about you know so if we're doing a new project for something we have nothing no previous knowledge about you know we could just you do a logo and you kind of get the basic of it but I find it I find the best work that I create is when you go quite deep and then you read a lot about the history and the past and the people around it because Mm. that kind of fosters and that gives you new ideas and it kind of gives you that um space around the topic that you wouldn't be able to access unless you researched it and that gives you ideas and gives you inspiration and, and it gives you ideas that um are kind of beyond like that surface level like straight off the bat the easy yeah. ones you know
1: what's something you researched that you really learned something from like an, a really specific area
0: um oh I know quite a lot about uh makeup for teenage girls
1: okay <laughs> okay tell us a little bit about that so
0: one of the uh <laughs> Projects I've been working on at Love and Money. So, the full time job mm. I do uh, for my nine to five is uh, we're doing a uh, makeup, a non makeup makeup brand for <laughs> um, teenage girls to kind of encourage them to wear less makeup. Mm. I know as much as that sounds kind of, it's a beauty brand. We'll is say. it sort
1: of like Australia or Melbourne's Glossier?
0: Um it's I mean a little bit but a lot better.
1: Okay. Oh ooh,
0: ooh, <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah controversial. Okay. okay go on. No it's it's about encouraging girls to um find their own beauty and mm. find their inner beauty and it's also trying to break down the stigmatas- stigma- metas- sorry. stigmatization stigma stigmatization stigmatization <laughs> okay. of um that you have to wear a lot of makeup to be beautiful mm. and it's trying to move girls away from that kind of Kim Kardashian contouring <laughs> And and also that makeup is supposed to be fun, and it's supposed to be like you know, it's just be whatever you yeah. know. You can just enjoy it, and it's there's no pressure on it. Mm. It's just it's supposed to be a nice fun thing.
1: That's cool. So yeah, yeah your research for this, tell us <laughs> yeah. a little bit about that.
0: Well, I just had to obviously get into the <laughs> mindset of a um, an audience that I haven't had a lot to do with. So kind of teenage girls. Um, I I myself don't wear makeup, so I had to do a lot of research mm. about. Um, you know, how makeup is applied, and um, even just thinking small things about when you transport makeup, how does it transport well? What are, you know, if it's in your bag, what are you looking for? Looking at other makeups. Yeah. It's just about kind of switching on my um, eye to kind of start uh, evaluating and being um, kind of critical of that yeah. type of.
1: Yeah. That's really interesting. Thank you. Yeah. Must have been, yeah, really strange. <laughs> Looking into the world of a teenage It's really girl. fun. It's actually really fun. It is fun. It's Once really you fun. get into it, you can understand why people are obsessed by it and are always yeah, on Instagram making videos. Totally. Applying makeup. I
0: find it hard now though when I not walk past like a mecha store. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I know how that's made. I know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, so... Let's talk a little bit about time management. So you have your full-time job at yes, Love and Money, yes, but you also freelance. Yes. You have a hibernating business. Um, how do you manage all your time?
0: Um, Are
1: you super organized? Because you're a Pisces. You've, you've told me this. <laughs>
0: I'm I'm pretty organized. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, yeah, yes and no. Do you
1: Google calendar things? I do that. I Google calendar you. Three months in advance, I think.
0: Yeah, I tr- I tr- I have now just because of necessity. Mm-hmm. Like I, you can't, you can't. It's pretty. I I would find it pretty hard to kind of get everything I need to get done in the day, even just my working day. If I didn't have kind of a um some sort of plan for the week, but yeah. um yeah, it's it's such a it's always such a. Uh, double-edged sword trying to be super organized with your time you know there's there's such like a uh, history of creatives kind of being free and being (laughs) relaxed and you know just going with the flow but to be creative for me, anyway, is that I have to really be disciplined with, yeah. you know, with my time and. Do you work my on energy. weekends? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs>
1: are you going to be working today, or are you done for the day?
0: Uh, I'm done for the day, but okay. um, I, I I try not to work too much on weekends. I, <laughs> I, if anything, I overload during the week and then try to take the weekend off. Yeah. Um, and that works for me, but mm. you know, the reality is that um, I have to be pretty flexible because especially with my freelance work it's not like you know five hours a week or 10 hours a week sometimes it's nothing for three weeks and then i've got four projects and i just have to say yes and that's okay so
1: do you work before <laughs> you go to love and money or do you work no. after you work <laughs> after, in the night
0: i'm definitely a night person not a morning person
1: so do you what so roughly what time do you get to bed and sleep
0: 12
1: okay and that's then not you get too up bad. Yeah, 12
0: and i get up at like seven
1: yeah that's yeah. good that's a really good time frame yeah
0: I, I yeah, I, I try to, I'm, I'm pretty useless if I don't have sleep. But, yeah, me too. And it's the work I create and stuff <laughs> that I send out if I'm sleep deprived <laughs> isn't awesome. So. Would you say that
1: for you to create good work, work that you approve of, yep. that you're personally happy with, because yep. it seems like you have pretty high standards, um, <laughs> you have to be in like a good mind frame where you've slept well, where you're um, mentally calm no
0: like no <laughs> i'm going to say no it's as as much as i would like to i would like to say that's true and i i would like that to be my reality all the time it's not you know it's um design uh, or working in any kind of creative industry it's pretty like demanding you don't do it for the cash <laughs> you, you, I know. you do it for the love of it um and yeah, that involves sometimes being a bit stressed and a bit <laughs> high stakes, and a bit tired and a bit pushed to the limit. But you know, that's kind of what it is.
1: I think it's really amazing that you keep doing freelancing <laughs> as well when you you know that it's you know it's exhausting.
0: It's yeah, it's really. I find it really important just because um, my the, the freelance my freelance I guess style is quite different to my kind of commercial agency style. Obviously, yeah. it's a much different clients. And um, much different kind of stakes in terms of um, you know like the price points, obviously. You know, we're looking yeah. for much bigger companies mm-hmm. at, uh, when I work at Love and Money than I do my freelance work. So um, it's important f- for me just to keep kind of carving out my own kind of style and and uh, yeah, and the work I do is um, you know it's it's just it's a bit different to I what can I can understand. do. Yeah, yeah absolutely.
1: Um, in terms of being an artist and a creative, how do you manage burnout? <laughs>
0: Because everyone
1: I know is like burnt out. Well,
0: I, I had tons of ladders for the last week, so oh, yeah. I guess my way of managing burnout is getting sick. So. <laughs> um, but no, um, it's hard. You've got to kind of pace yourself and you've got to check in with yourself often, mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah. Um, and just, Are you
1: like an exercise junkie with your green no. juice? And you
0: know? <laughs> no, I don't do. I haven't done a lot of exercise. I started swimming again, but yeah. I got about three <laughs> laps in and nearly vomited. Oh, my
1: God, Yeah, no. it wasn't
0: great. I didn't, I didn't. but I definitely was yeah. kind of a bit shaky when I got out of the pool. Um, but that was on me. I haven't done cardio in a while. Um,
1: <laughs> so green juice? No to the green juice? No green
0: shoes, no. I just about, you know, kind of looking after yourself like yeah. if you've got a lot of work coming up just obvious things you yeah, don't go too hard on the weekends
1: yeah Kind <laughs> know that's all good The on 3cr radio station we've got Lockie, um the graphic designer um on today as our special guest um so you just listen to searchlight blues by sunra so in continuance of our conversation, can you talk about you talk about the absence of a Australian ident- design identity in your liminal interview? Can you like elaborate on that? Because I think <laughs> I've noticed this as well.
0: Well, I, I so because we're um, because of the West, our Western um, kind of colonized counterpart, we're so um, we're such a young history. We don't have um, a lot of kind of past to draw upon mm. for design aesthetic. I mean, you look at places like Japan or oh, yeah. um, places like uh, Italy. Even places, Italy, they've got such a long history of you know, architecture and painting and sculpture and artworks to um, kind of inform the, uh, from their past to their future of um, how they've kind of, you know, how they look and their aesthetic and their vibe. But we don't really have that because yeah. we haven't existed for a long time.
1: Yeah, so you, you think it stems from that kind of colonial project?
0: Yeah. yeah. So I think um, I think that, you know, now we're slowly expanding because we've had so many kind of uh, people come in and that there, uh, there's a demand for it now in the last couple yeah. of years. But, you know, 50 years ago, the only design that we had was whatever came over from Britain. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it, it didn't really... It, it was kind of out of place in our mm. Australia landscape.
1: Yeah. So in terms of current trends, there are I mean, I know that there are some celebrities that do um look into Australian design. There are some mm. Instagram accounts that they follow. Mm. Do you what are some trends that you have seen that that are specifically Australian, for example? I think Or oh, have you not seen that? Have you actually I seen influences? That's
0: really, it's really hard to say when you look at a piece of design to go where the genesis is from. Yeah. Um I think I, I think Aust- Australians as a whole were kinda quirky and I think Australian design is a little bit quirky. I've had friends who've moved over to Europe, and um, they, you know they've interviewed at quite English studios, and they go, "Oh, we we, we like your folio. It's like it's interesting. It's kind of quirky." Mm. And they don't really, they haven't been really to express to them what that exactly means, but it seems to be like a common kind of thread that runs that word, through quirky, quirky, yeah. Because when I think quirky, a bit kitsch,
1: a bit kitsch. I think Zoe Deschanel. <laughs> would you say it's kind of like <laughs> design version of Zoe Deschanel? Um,
0: you know, I, I think it's more it's. It's, it's kind if you could
1: relate it to a person, related
0: to a person. It's related to a person. Um, I I think honestly, I think someone like if you've seen any of like o- uh, old Sia video clips. Oh yeah, yeah. I think that might be a kind of a good way to express uh, it. Where and
1: she's Australian. She's
0: Australian. Yeah, I think Sia is a really good. I mean, I love Sia, and mm. everyone's oh, everyone that knows me knows I love Sia. I
1: love her old albums,
0: but I think um, in terms of a an Australian creative. She's mm-hmm. actually quite a good representation in terms of that she is quirky. She's not really here nor there. And she's also really informed by what's going on overseas. And I think that actually is part of the Australian design aesthetics. that We don't have a design aesthetic, but mm-hmm. what we do is informed from everywhere around the globe. And that's what makes it interesting. Yeah, We don't have anyone that we have to particularly answer to. It's mm-hmm. not like, oh, you're not doing what is you know what is expected or you're not doing what we think you should do it's really it's kind of everything's up in the air
1: yeah it's really interesting because you can kind of make your own kind of identity mm. like really build yes. your own identity so that and you don't have to stick to all this history you don't have the weight of history on yeah. you. yeah
0: it's it's like yeah it's a double edged sword
1: yeah which is which is interesting so with client relationships you talked mm-hmm. about this Um, What are the differences you've encountered in your freelancing work, but also when you engage with clients in love and money? Do you ask a lot of questions? Are you very empathetic? Do you have lots of tea with them? Or is it more like we're (laughs) going to sit down in a boardroom and we're going to like talk for like two hours and nothing's actually going to come out of it? How does that work?
0: No, it's pretty, I think for both um, Love and Money and and, uh, my own freelance projects, it's both pretty casual and pretty relaxed mm. and I, I i'm a pretty kind of casual relaxed type of person yeah i'm not i'm not going to be the guy um who's wearing a suit sitting in a boardroom you know <laughs> with the with the the whiteboard and the powerpoint presentation <laughs> um i'm much better and i get a lot better a lot a uh, lot more richer information just having coffee or mm. you know having a meal with somebody and yeah. just kind of really trying to get to the heart of what they're um well, like the, what the, the problem is and why they need, why they feel that they need me to come on board. Because sometimes, you know, I've said to a couple of clients that I don't think you actually need a graphic design. I think mm. your, you know, your problem is something to do with, you know, how you're like marketing yourself or, um, you know, how you're positioning yourself in the marketplace rather than me giving them a new logo and giving them a new website or whatever.
1: Yeah, how? but you know those clients, I don't know, maybe you haven't encountered them, or maybe you have. Mm. They, they come in, they don't know what they want, they're very demanding, mm. uh, you do <laughs> you do fathom something, you do somehow manage to materialize something out mm. of the little scraps of information they give mm. you. How do you deal with that kind of difficult client?
0: Well, it's just about really understanding what they're problem is so before i even go oh you know these colors or these fonts or you should do this and this i actually try to work out what is the problem and you know sometimes it isn't always yeah a graphic problem um Mm. but um when it is and i you know i i genuinely you know there's there's always something that i can do visually or graphically that i can help them um yeah i just try to work out really at the root of um their issues and then build up a uh, kind of a response in a way that we can start addressing those problems
1: yeah that's great that's a very practical and pragmatic and <laughs> yes. systematic where you were going about doing things so you're biracial <laughs> yes. you have english and did you say hong kong
0: it's hong kong and german maybe. german
1: and maybe okay german maybe <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to clarify it but like you're biracial would you yes. say you're biracial yes um have you experienced racism in Australia? Uh,
0: not. Um,
1: oh, is it all microaggressions?
0: Maybe it's more microaggressions, mm. and I probably um, uh, it internal internalized maybe in a in a different way. I haven't. I have a lot of passing white privilege, and mm. I um I I speak English as my first language, yeah. and I didn't have a lot of um uh, Chinese kind of cultural upbringing, so I kind of managed to skirt over a lot of um, of the uh, negativities that a lot of my friends may have experienced growing up um, but I think definitely you know growing up with a uh, Asian heritage mm. in Australia you know I think just being not having much exposure to many other um asian role models or asian yeah. people in the media um besides your immediate like family that's the only people you can kind of really relate to and i only kind of later in life kind of start getting a community of uh other uh, biracial uh asian individuals
1: that's cool would you say <laughs> like because you know you have this asian side but you also have this European side, yes. and you, Yes. but you're still Australian, right? Yes. So, like, what does home mean to you, and how do you guys... What do, like, with <laughs> ideas of belonging and stuff. Yeah. How does that work? I mean, there are so yeah, many... Yeah, that's a million
0: question, isn't it?
1: You're like, you're like the Australian Timothy Chalamet, who's, like, French, <laughs> and, like, who's, also like, it's, American.
0: It's For me, it's interesting. I've... For a really long time, I had a little bit of... Um, I guess I say dysmorphia about my identity, where I i'm australian but i don't really feel fully australian Mm. and then i'm chinese but i also don't really feel that chinese i mean i don't speak the language and i don't see a lot of my um, chinese family that often Mm. um and i just you just got to kind of make do with what you've kind of got yeah you know I, i think with anything i feel i've managed to get to a point where i found it really empowering not Having to fall into any of these mm. super specific kind of tropes or labels, and I can kind of just float around. <laughs> yeah. So, <kind> would of- <laughs> you say, like,
1: your identity, your racial identity is very cross cultural? It's not bound to any particular place would you say it's bound to people more or would you say it's more Yeah. You're still kind of figuring out <laughs> figuring it out kind of thing. It's
0: yeah it's not even it's it's, it's not even much me figuring it out it's just I've identified that it's just super super flexible and mm. super fluid and rather than trying to push it into these corners I, I just kind of let it be what it be and some days you know I am kind of Australian and other days I am you know, a bit more Chinese and other days I'm kind of nothing.
1: That's cool. That works. <laughs> we're going for another song now. This is Second That Emotion by Smokey Robinson and the Miracles. We're moving away from the jazz into Seoul. Sorry, Motown. Hello. We are listening to Queering the Air. Today we've got Lockie on. Lockie's a graphic designer. Um, so in, continu- in continuance of our conversation, we're going to talk about the slashy. Uh, we live in the age of the slashy, and people have multiple professions. They're like a musician and an artist and an pr- investment banker, but and they're also like a gar- and a dancer and a spoken word poet <laughs> and a chef and a chef. But they're also <laughs> a chef as well. Here, you can't give the chef up, <laughs> and also a kitchen hand at the same time. Um, but you, you, you really like specialization.
0: Yes. Um,
1: can you talk about that? And why you choose to prioritise mastery over something as opposed to generalisation.
0: Well, I think as I was saying before about how we don't have this history of Mm. mastery, you know, I would really like to think that, um, you know, we have an opportunity to start doing it now and to start passing on to our following generations of mastery and skills, whether it's craft or Mm. um, it can be anything, you know, dancing or being a chef. Um, But I I find for me that... uh, mastering um so I I specialize a lot in print and books and editorial that it's only gotten me more work and really good specific deep work rather than me trying to spread myself super thin and do Mm. everything and um yeah and most of the jobs that I've been hired for I've you know used that kind of mastery as a um as a selling point, and it, it, people seem to dig it, so I'm, yeah, I'm kinda, just gotta keep doing it. <laughs> I,
1: I, I think I know what you mean. It's it's really interesting when you go to someone; they know exactly everything about that, which yeah. you can only get through hmm. picking one thing and sticking to it. Um, and you feel kind of safe in their hands. You know, you you know that you're giving the idea to someone exactly, who understands yeah. it in and out, so you feel really safe as a client. Let's talk about etc. Press. Um, <laughs> Which uh, is hibernating at hibernating, the moment. Hibernating,
0: deep hibernating. But
1: it's still on. <laughs> um, like what influenced you to set it up and um, do you want to like take it out of hibernation in the future and push it forward?
0: It's yeah. Well, I guess so I'll start with its history a little bit. So mm. me and um, Alan Whedon, who is the other owner of it, um, we know known each other for ages. We've been best friends for years and years and years um, and he's a photographer and writer and we talked about collaborating on something kind of substantial for a while i mean we've done bits and pieces here or there you know mm. you do some photography and i'll do some design with it but we're like okay let's do a proper thing like let's actually like make something and give birth to it into the real world so we decided to open et cetera press um yeah. and yeah we published one
1: reticulate
0: reticulate yes such a
1: lovely name <laughs> what does it mean
0: um Oh god. To be honest, really re- it is a word, right? It is a it word. Is a word. Okay. I really to be honest, I haven't looked. We did it a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah. And my brain has kind of I think compartmentalized Let's it. Maybe because of trauma. Design.
1: No, that's fine. Let's talk focus on the design aspect <laughs> yes, of it. Sure. I've seen snapshots on your yes, website. It's yes. it's very clean cut. It's yes. very specific. It, it, it has that like yes. um what was a uh, textbook manuals, tables and lists vibe yes. very very much in it. Yes. Let's talk about that a little bit.
0: Yeah, um, I think it's a really good representation of kind of my work. Mm. Um, And it was really nice as well working with Alan um, because I think every time you collaborate with someone, they should always be making what you do better um, in terms of design and all of his awesome writing and the interview that he did with Adam Chandler and the photos he took as well. Um, I I think, you know, putting those two things together is really good and it pushes you to create better work. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's lovely. Um, but You said that the problem with this book was that you couldn't really make much money. You were putting 100 (laughs) plus hours of work.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's pretty hard to, I'm sure of anyone who has published a book, to publish it and to do the design and writing it and printing it.
1: And the marketing.
0: (laughs) Marketing and funding it for yourself and even things like, you know, getting the website up, Mm. um, Facebook ads, getting it out there and then getting people to buy it is really hard and it's a pretty thankless task yeah and especially when we were both working full-time as well and um as much as we loved it it was essentially running as a loss <laughs> to us mm-hmm. which we, we knew when we went into it we, yeah. we didn't expect to make any money but it um it just becomes really hard when you know you've got Paying clients and paying work and friends yeah. and family. <laughs>
1: yeah, absolutely. Like, who do you pick? I mean, obviously, the money and the friends and the family come first. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, we you got it out eat. there, yeah. and we we got we kind of uh, sold our. I think we made we a had hundred copies. We sold those, mm. and then we're kind of like, you know, that was kind of it for now. But um yeah. you know, like I'm still publishing books through clients, and uh Alan's uh, one of the uh, directors for Swampland Magazine. Yeah. Um. So you know, we're both still very much kind of printing and publishing but you know just trying to make a little bit more cash from it
1: yeah yeah absolutely so if you got a more large-scale project for etc cetera, etc cetera press would you take that on something
0: totally what <laughs> what if, you have- look if someone wants anybody out there wants to um, throw some money at us would love to
1: yeah and you would you would take it through the <laughs> yeah, print totally. process yeah
0: the- totally I mean that was um I mean that's the good thing about me team up with alan is Mm -hmm. that i can essentially once someone's given me an idea i can design it i can uh, get it ready for print i can send it to the printer i can pick the paper i can Mm -hmm. do all that but i really need somebody else to supply me content i think that's always the uh and why i try not to call myself an artist too much is because i rely on somebody else's content for me to create something like photography photography word text yeah. whatever I, I very much need a client for me to do my work and I think that's probably the difference between designer and an artist
1: ah okay yes. interesting yeah but so I, I you haven't really talked about yourself as an artist through this you've always made sure <laughs> that you you are a designer did you have an intention of being an artist at some point no
0: never oh I, wow okay I, I know I've i art for me was never quite um i I always like working with other people's content and organizing other people's content and organizing information and i think that's where my interest of like lists and tables Mm. and um uh you know forms and things came from is because you're very much relying on supplied information
1: (laughs) and it's you're kind of you're kind of like a planner for the artist. Is that what you're saying? Like you take those artistic ideas, you kind of form a structure, you plan them out, yeah, organize I, I them. Yeah, I work.
0: I work. I think I work pretty well with artists. So I yeah. work a lot with um a Melbourne artist Drew Petifer Drew Petifer, who I um, I do. I've done his last couple of books. Yeah. Um, I just did a podcast with him. Mm. I did the design for it called Fieldwork Podcast, which mm-hmm. is an Australian contemporary art. It's really good. Um, and he, he's, he's very much an artist, but, uh, me and him kind of have a really good kind of almost unwritten language and trust where he can give me something and because I can speak the language of artists and yeah. I kind of get the vibe of them, I can, you know, create something hopefully that they will like
1: <laughs> yeah what do you think is stopping you from being an artist though i mean it's a lot of graphic designers a lot of them it's like their day job mm. but they're also like an artist making installations what stops you from going to that
0: my mine's arena? totally um mine's totally fear <laughs> and, okay and uh not having um confident in kind of my not my creative ability but um like an artwork ability because I think with an artist you're very much putting what you've done on a plate but Mm. I think as a designer you can kind of keep it a little bit at arm's distance because at the end of the day you're working with someone else's content (laughs) yeah.
1: <laughs> I know what you mean. So I have the same problem as yeah. a journalist. I don't want to call myself a writer because mm-hmm. writers talk about themselves, their lives, and you have to be very vulnerable. Yeah. And for me, that sounds very different. Like, I just don't want to do that. I don't want to go there. Exactly. And mm-hmm. as a journalist, I get to talk about other people. I get to pick up on topics that are personal to me, totally. like immigration and yeah. race and stuff. But I say it through them. I don't want to bring myself into it. So exactly. I think it's the exact same thing, yeah. but for the art. It's just
0: a little bit of, you just have that little bit of space around you yeah. of safety. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah,
1: and like with artists, like they bring some really intense stuff in there. Yeah. You know, like their psychological state, their emotional state. Even writers do this. Yeah, they really yeah. go. They ca- And I mean, no one's selling out or anything, but they really do capitalize on their interiority, which I don't want anything to do with. Like I just don't want to put myself out there. No. It's pretty scary. I yeah. understand that. But do you think you would ever skip that thing? And
0: I would. I would. I might. But I. Mm. I, I think. I, I'm, I just think I'm a, a better, I think I'm just a better designer. I mean, I, I know it's hard to say, you know, I haven't really kind of plunged into the artistic field, but, yeah. you know, I do quite like the, um, I like the relationship with the client on a very yeah. like, personal level. I, I don't mind the business aspect of design because, mm. you know, you can be as creative as, you know, whoever. I but, agree. But you need to, um, you need to have kind of the business and you need, a, you need to modernise it. And I think there's a fear, especially from artists, Trying to make money from their work, yeah. But I'm as a designer. I'm like I want. <laughs> I, I mean it's <laughs> it I, 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 yeah. I where's my money? <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I. It's it's very pragmatic, but it's it's also like you don't have to strip the artistry away just because you're making money. No, at no, the same totally.
0: Time. But I, I think for me, I think it's easier for me to l- not lead with the money, but make yeah. make it a really fair yeah. thing, and yeah. still
1: make sure that you're like you have money. Yeah. That I think is really important. <laughs> so another thing I really want to touch on is masculinity in Melbourne. Yes. Um, which you touch on <laughs> to Reticulate. Yes. Um, what are your thoughts about masculinity currently in Melbourne? And um, <laughs> what are your hopes for masculinity in the future?
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, mas- so masculinity in Melbourne is in terms of, um, as in,
1: you know, like, you the,
0: the queer community? Yeah, or? you could talk okay. about it.
1: Could, you could focus it a bit more on the queer community. But I feel like, you don't well. This in Melbourne, not in Sydney or in the regional areas. Mm. You don't get like these manly dudes who are like, hey, dude.
0: It's a uh, lot. I'm probably a little bit sheltered in terms of the work I mm. do. Yeah. And the people that I hang out with, you know, I'm not really kind of being confronted with, you know, kind of testosterone. This, this, this testosterone toxic <laughs> kind of cliche kind of a uh, Australian masculinity. But um, um, I think maybe maybe I'll talk about in terms of like design yeah design industry I think the design industry is very typically kind of straight white cisgendered dude bros really yeah very much so okay. um, most most uh, design directors and owners of design studios um, kind of globally are men um, and white white men as mm. well um, and there's not as many female designers as there sh- should be and it's a lot harder mm. for a female designer to um, kind of get into the industry and kind of be respected. Um, So I think that is something that's pretty terrible. Um, Mm. And there's awesome like institutions like Agda and stuff who are trying to, which is Australian Graphic Design Association, and they hold events which try to kind of bring females more to the forefront and kind of champion that. But um, yeah, it is something that is a problem. And yeah, you know.
1: Would you like to see a lot more gender diversity within the graphic designing or the designing community?
0: Totally. How yeah. do you think
1: that could happen? What would help that?
0: I I think um I think I think f- it's it's so it's yeah, I think it, it's hard because mm. so many people hiring you are old white guys. <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> and they're like, I know better than you because yeah, I've had better than more you. experience. Um
0: but I think it's just about having respect for different types of design mm. and different um you know, different interests in design as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. I mean there's so many you know, especially a lot of guys when they leave University, their folios are full of like, you know, it's like skateboards and surfboards Ew. and kind of like, you know, <laughs> you know yeah. kind of rock posters and yeah. stuff like that. And that sounds really kind of, you know, cliche, but like that's what it is. But, you know, I think there should be more accepting of other people's interests and, you know, designing for different audiences and yeah. different communities.
1: So being more open-minded is definitely going to Totally.
0: Help. I mean, it sounds so basic. but <laughs> Yeah.
1: <laughs> We're going to have to wrap this interview up because we are two minutes away from the end. Thank you so much for coming. Thank through, you so Anaki. much for
0: having me. Yeah,
1: it was such a pleasure. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so I'm just going to play Dosa. I Want More. Um, we'll catch you next time, guys. And um, next up is Hip Sister Hop. You can find our podcast at 3cr.org slash Queering the Air. Um, yeah, thanks. Ah. 3CR Podcast Produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au Like a heatwave that came an item me off